Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Life is Love School podcast. We're really excited to have you. Today, I have Maggie Dong with me, and I was just joking with her that she is by far the youngest interviewee we have in the podcast. She is a fitness and life coach, as well as a podcaster herself. So definitely do check her out. Hi, Maggie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you, especially now that it's a holiday season with so much temptation on the table. The fact that you're a fitness life coach, and I think you have a specialty around working with people who have suffered eating disorder. I think it's super timely. Um, given the fact that our group um, is mostly trauma survivors, childhood abuse survivors, eating disorder is quite common because it's a way for us to deal with emotional stress. So I'll let you introduce yourself as well as how you became a coach. Absolutely. So I am a fitness and life coach and I'm a podcaster and how I got here where I focus on the four areas of fitness now is I had a crazy traumatic life event when I was 16 and that was when I lost my mom to breast cancer and at that time I already was not in contact with my dad because he was in jail already for two years when I lost my mom. So after I lost my mom, I all of a sudden had to become an adult and take care of my little brother as well. And he's five years younger than me. So after I stepped into that responsibility role to pretty much parent myself and take care of everyone else in the family, I came down with an eating disorder because I felt like I had lost all control in my life just overnight and I used food and exercise as a way to gain some sort of control but then I took that to a very extreme I was going to the gym seven days a week and exercising for two to three hours every day and I was barely eating any food I was eating like 800 calories a day starving myself and over time I realized that that is an unhealthy way to live and to treat my body. So I made it a goal to get into this healthy and balanced lifestyle and get to the body that I really wanted. And instead of focusing so much on weight loss or muscle gain, I just really wanted to get to a place where I felt good in my body. And I'm happy with the way that I can perform at the gym instead of how I looked. So after I got to that point in my fitness journey, I realized that I still wasn't happy because I thought if I just only got to my dream body, my life would finally come together. But once I got there, I realized that there is so much more to life than just fitness, than just how my body looks and how my body performs. And that's when I started diving into the other areas of fitness. So the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, those are the four pillars that I focus on. And I had to overcome anxiety, depression, deal with the grief from my mom's death, and really connect with myself because I didn't know what I was here to actually do. And I know that I'm here for a purpose that is much bigger than just how my body looks or how my mindset is. I'm here to do something for other people. So connecting with the four areas of fitness, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, really 
gave me the opportunity to create a life in alignment and find that balance between the mind, body, and soul. And that's why I believe it's really important to focus on these four areas. I see. Thank you for that overview um, and for sharing your journey. I know that eating disorder is a very serious disease that it oftentimes can be life-threatening, creating all sorts of other illnesses as well. And would you mind sharing how you, after years of having an eating disorder, how did you pull yourself out of it? Because it's, it's really difficult to get rid of any addiction, let alone a eating disorder, because eating is something we have to do. Like, for example, shooting up drugs, it's peripheral to a human survival, but eating is like food is everywhere. The trigger is everywhere. So how did you stop? Did you go cold turkey or was it a gradual thing for you? Just love to find out more. Yeah, I remember this one particular instance. I think this was the day when I decided that I was finally going to start treating my body the right way. So I remember driving to actually get food this one morning because I was so hungry. But behind the wheel, I almost passed out when I was driving because I think my blood sugars were so low. I was so hungry. And I almost just put my life in danger right then and there. And after that, I realized I couldn't keep on doing this because my body can't handle it. My mind can't handle it. And I could easily lose my life at any moment if I just pass out behind the wheel or if I just passed out somewhere. So that thing was the day I decided I was finally going to start taking a healthy approach. And after the decision, it didn't happen overnight because I already had this habit going on of not eating, of going to the gym. And I was scared to stop doing that. But over time, it, it takes some gradual changes with your habits. And I think it just takes getting a little bit uncomfortable because with any behavioral change, you're going to get uncomfortable because it's not familiar to you. So I gradually stopped going to the gym that often and work out that hard. And I gradually started eating more. And I started seeing food for more than just something that's I can use to manipulate my body because food, I mean, right right now it's the holidays. We have Christmas going on. We have New Year's and food is everywhere. Food is a part of culture and it's a part of these holidays and memories. So once I started seeing food as a way to create memories with other people, to strengthen these cultural norms and these cultural traditions, that's when I thought a way to just manipulate my body. Well, that's really interesting. Did it, as you kind of started to go to the gym less, maybe eating a little bit more, did you also see your weight climb up? And then did that trigger any kind of fear or anxiety? And did that cause you to backtrack in any way? Or was it fairly smooth? Like, okay, I could do it and kind of completed that route. No, it was not smooth at my weight, I, I mean, at that time, I was weighing myself every single morning. Like every single morning, I would wake up and pull out the scale. And if the scale went up even by a little bit, I would get anxious and I would start getting upset and I would think that I'm gaining so much weight. But over time, I realized that 
the skill doesn't actually define who you are and the skill doesn't actually show anything because you're not walking around with that number in the middle of your forehead. No one knows how much you weigh except yourself. And it's that definition that you were creating in your head. You're saying, this is a weight where I feel worthy, but it's just a story that you're telling yourself because it's not true. You can easily change that story and change it to, you know, my weight doesn't define who I am and my weight, no one else knows. And even sometimes that I found when when my weight started going up, I actually started looking better. So it has nothing to do with the scale. It has everything to do with how you feel. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and if we were to double click into why we care so much about how we look, it's because we believe that we'll be more lovable, right? Perhaps at some level, more lovable, more beautiful, therefore more lovable, because we're very light. <laughs> but mm -hmm. If we look back in our life, I don't think we see a lot of that correlation. When I was in grad school, I was very, uh, quite chubby, uh, but I had a lot of friends. You know, I got along with a lot of people, had a lot of dates as well. Later in life, I lost a lot of weight because of a divorce and uh, it, I was not nearly as popular. I think I was much more sad. So I think we make a lot of incorrect assumptions as well that somehow thinner people have it better but we see a lot of thinner, unhappy people that don't have it better. Right. Absolutely. I think it's just something that we've picked up from society over time. Like we see on the magazines, on social media, especially everyone is showing you their highlight reels. And we like to compare ourselves to other people, even on our worst days, even when you're not feeling so, so good, you go on social media and you're looking at everyone else having a great time, then you start feeling bad about yourself. And I think it's that comparison that drives people to want to look a certain way, to want to, you know, take on these extreme measures because they think they have to fit in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could tell you right now, right? Because I have this little like ring light here <laughs> that lights things up. Like when I put it down, you know, I just I don't know, probably doesn't look as good. It's that easy of a manipulation. It's just the lighting can make a huge difference instantly. I haven't changed. But what we share with the world oftentimes is edited, right? And it's, we're comparing our normal life. We know everything about our life, all the not so great parts, you know, all the silly lights, we can see it. And obviously people don't post that on their Instagram. So then we think they must be so much more amazing because we know all our flaws, but all we see is their perfection. <laughs> so that's a really good point. Absolutely. And, you know, no one is going to show you their bad day on social media because we don't want to see that. And the other thing is, you know, we have cellulite, we have these different parts of our bodies. And I can tell you that I used to hate these parts of myself. I had scars on my face from acne and I, I have cellulite. I also had stretch marks and I didn't like any of that and I wanted to just get rid of them but it wasn't until I started realizing that these are the things that make us who we are and we were designed to be this way just think about how perfect everything has to be because you know everything in the universe is just created with perfection and with love so how can we look at a part of ourselves and say that this isn't supposed to be here because it was all created perfect 
I love that message. I, I feel like a lot of survivors of parental abuse, myself being one, we've had negative conditioning that our parents unfortunately bless us with. Like in my case, uh, my mother liked to make fun of the fact that my legs are very chubby. It's, you know, that's where I pile on the weights and I have a ton of muscle there. And then later in my life, when I had three ACL surgeries and I realized I could not do all the sports as well as I used to be able to do, that's when I realized that I don't care. The legs that allow me to bike and run and swim, that's what matters. Why am I nitpicking on my legs and feeling like I don't deserve to wear a skirt because it's not perfect? Right. A lot of the messages that whether it's come from society or bad parenting, we could choose to examine it again and see if we want to adhere to it. You know, maybe, yes, I don't have supermodel legs. Um, my siblings, funny enough, both uh, my brother and sister have very long and beautiful model legs. And then there's me. So grew, growing up, I always had that kind of a sore spot. But then, you know, as I gotten older and I realized that all beauty fades, it's the function that matters. One day we're all going to look back at our body and wish that we had, you know, the functionality we had before we got old or got injured, et cetera. Absolutely. And instead of focusing so much on how we look, if we just focus on how we perform and how we feel, that creates such a big difference because instead of, you know, trying to go to the gym and exercise to look a certain way, once I focused on performance, and focus on, wow, this is what I can do with my body, then I realize how powerful it is to have these, you know, legs that I didn't used to like. Like you said, I I also just carry a lot of my weights on my legs, on my lower body, and I didn't used to like that. But now I love it because, you know, I can go lift at the gym, I can go run and look at all these things that I can do. Yeah, absolutely. I've learned to appreciate my legs too. The fact that I pile on muscle super fast on my legs is what makes me a pretty good biker at one point in my life. So, you know, there's always the pros and the cons in life. Um, so I'm curious as to, you talk about, you know, over time you learn that self-love is really important. Like we can't seek to get affirmation, to try to look a certain way to, you know, accomplish certain things to make us more lovable. Like, how did you kind of find that answer for yourself? Because a lot of times people are like, you know, it's great. I know I need to learn how to love myself more. But how do you go about doing that? Yeah. So first of all, there's a difference between self-care and self-love. They're not the same thing. Self-care is the things that you do for yourself. So you can go get your hair done, get your nails done, whatever it is. But self-love doesn't require any of these external activities that you're doing. Self-love comes from within. I don't have to do anything in order to love myself because self-love is how you see yourself, how you talk to yourself. And I think we can start with our negative self-talk that we have with ourselves because we talk to ourselves like no one else would talk to us because we are so critical and we start picking ourselves apart. But every time you pick yourself apart, you're just telling yourself that you're not worthy of being loved. But that's not true because you are so worthy of being loved. And self-love comes from noticing 
the things that you might feel like is imperfect about you and the things that you're you're picking apart about yourself and turning these things into perfection so it's when you start seeing let's say the likes that i didn't like you start seeing them as gifts you start seeing them as perfection that's when you start loving yourself and you can keep on growing this love for yourself because if you don't love yourself first of all no one else will come into your life and love you the way that you want to be loved because you haven't loved yourself yet and if you don't love yourself i mean from my experience i was chasing after love i was chasing after a relationship thinking that i could get this other person to love me but it doesn't work because i can't control anybody else and that doesn't last if that relationship is now taken away from me I'm still back to square one and I'm still going to feel unloved and unhappy. So that self-love has to come from within and we all have this within us. Well, that is so amazingly well said. And I love the fact that you spoke about the way we talk to ourselves. And oftentimes it's very cruel and quite demeaning if that's how we were raised. And if our parents taught us that way, then it kind of becomes an old tape that just keeps spinning in our head. We may have these very toxic people, you know, far away in a different country, but then the tape is still in our head and it keeps on berating us even as we we're adults. And I think a lot of survivors feel like, you know, why do I feel so bad? Why am I always feeling so bad and so sad or um, so anxious? And I think power comes when we decide to look inside our head and say, you know, what is the thought that I'm thinking? Because feelings always come from a thought. So, you know, it's really great that you're examining that. And also the point on love as well. We, we cannot get from the outside what we're not ready to agree with ourselves is probably the way I would put it. Because I, I actually had a friend who is very gorgeous, a beautiful girl. And I remember her telling me that she always thought she was ugly. So when her classmates would tell her that she's good looking, she would bark at them. She's very angry at them because she's like, you know, why are you trying to make fun of me? <laughs> so that just kind of tells you that the amount of love we can receive is limited by how much we value ourselves. Mm, absolutely. And I also like to tell people that your external reality is just a reflection of your internal reality. So whatever thoughts, feelings you have going on within yourself is going to be reflected back if you don't love yourself you're gonna keep on getting situations in your life where people show you that they don't love you but if you just turn that around and start loving yourself you start attracting situations to you where people start loving you so the way to attract love into your life is to become this being of love and this is who you already are this is who we all are because we came from love we are love. And some of the questions that I had to ask myself throughout this whole process were, were these three questions. I had to ask myself, who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? And for me, the answers to all these three questions are love. Who am I? I am love. Why am I here? To love. And where am I going? Love. So, I mean, you can find your own answers to these questions, but what I realize is that if I don't realize 
the love that is already within me, that is all around me at any given moment, I will always be deprived and I will always try to chase after love because I didn't realize what was already here. So I think really thinking on these questions and hearing your answers for yourself is going to be crucial in terms of recovery and moving forward in your life. It sounds like we need to uh, take a journal out and literally write the answer to these three questions. Um, what you just said actually reminded me of something Eckhart Tolle said. He's one of my favorite authors. He said, um, I'll just kind of probably butchered it, but the way he said it was, why are you begging on the outside for love and validation? You're like a pauper sitting on a box that's filled with gold and you keep begging for money but you never looked inside of the box that you're sitting on. <laughs> so I think you put I it beautifully. That. I love that. And I think we chase after love. We chase after the things outside of ourselves, whether it's money or success, whatever it is that we're chasing, it's just we found in ourselves. And I realized that I was chasing after love for so long because I had forgotten that I am love and love is in me. It's not outside of me. It's right here, right now. It's not the future, it's not in the past, it's here and now. So if we start realizing that in this very moment, in this openness, we have this, even this air around us, this is the love. And if you can feel that, and if you can feel, if you just go outside and look at nature, see the beauty in everything and you see that everything is love how do you not feel loved when you're surrounded by all of these things how can you not feel loved when the sun is shining on your face and you feel the warmth so love is everywhere well that's so beautiful i, I feel like maybe all our cells and our body all the atoms that make us up are all held together by that energy <laughs> yeah that is so beautiful that love energy is it is who we are well, wow. you know, it's, um, it took me much longer than you to kind of ask myself that question. It just came to me kind of at the deepest, um, the rock bottom part of my life where the question just came up spontaneously. Who am I? Because if somebody that I thought loved me could just leave me just like that, who am I? Right? Like anything that's can be on a resume, can be also removed. A job can be removed, your house can burn down, you can lose all the money, you could lose a relationship. Who are you when all of that is gone? Absolutely. And I think when people get asked the question of, of who are you, they think, oh, I'm a teacher, I'm a firefighter, whatever it is. But these are not who you are. These are the things that you do. And there is someone deep inside that is the true being of who you are. And you have to find out who that is for you. Because if you don't know who you are, if you don't know why you're here or where you're going, then someone else will create a life for you. Someone else will create an identity for you. So this is why I think people get swayed by all of these opinions. They look at what everyone else is doing and they don't feel good enough. It's because they don't know who they are. They don't know why they're here. Yeah, that's such a good point because if we don't, stand firm in knowing who we are, then we're actually very vulnerable to being manipulated by other people. Like, you know, a toxic person would be like, you know, I know who you are. I'll validate you. You just need to do this and that for me. 
And I think that's how a lot of us end up in the hands of abusive people. Yeah, absolutely. And in relationships too, if you don't know who you are, you start attaching your identity to to this other person because this other person feels like they're completing a part of you because you don't know who you are without this person. So that's why I think we attach ourselves to so many different things. We attach ourselves to our jobs, relationships, even to our ideas. Like for example, people are so adamant about following certain diets that they start arguing with other people who don't agree that's attachment to an idea to a diet but if you don't know who you are without all of these things you're always going to be attached to these things outside of yourself yeah that's exactly right that's very very well said i love that (laughs) you're so young and so wise i really admire that about you and it's very very inspiring so kind of just because it's a holiday um what is a tip that you have for those of us that have trouble saying no to really delicious food like my particular weakness is anything with sugar and butter and milk (laughs) i counted i probably baked around 20 cheesecakes over the pandemic and i you know packed over 15 pounds Oh, oh, well, holidays, you know, you get to enjoy a little bit. So there's no need to cut out everything. And what I like to tell people is that what you do in the two weeks that that we have for the holiday season is less important than the other 50 weeks that we have in the year. So if you've been doing really well the other 50 weeks, then two weeks will not make that big of a difference. But at the same time, you don't have to go binge on on these things. It's all about moderation. Everything comes down to balance because when you're on one extreme where you're just restricting yourself, eating very healthy, not allowing yourself to have any dessert, then eventually you are going to swing the other direction because you've deprived yourself for so long. And I've been there. I was depriving myself and then I started binging. But if you go all in during the holidays, and you just start having everything that you see, then at some point you're going to find that that's not very good for your physical health, not good for your mental health because you feel sluggish after you eat a bunch of desserts too. So it's about having that balance and realize that food is for your health, but food is also for memories. If you have a balance between the both and you don't swing too far one end or the other, I think you'll be really good. Yeah, that's a really good point because I realized that the few times I overate, I basically wasn't eating mindfully. I was just like eating from a point of if I don't eat this now, it's going to be gone. Somebody else is going to eat it, so I better eat it. So I think eating with more mindfulness, maybe slowing down and think about it. Do I really want to take the next bite? What is the reason I'm eating it? Is it still enjoyable? Because sometimes we eat beyond the point of even being enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just eat because they think, oh, if I don't have this, there's going to be no more and I have to stuff all of this down while I can. But I think it's good to also think about while you're eating, where did this food come from? And, and instead of just focusing on how much I can stuff down into my belly, think about how grateful you are for the food and for the holidays. Because if you're 
truly enjoying the food. Like you're taking every bite, you're enjoying how it tastes. You're not just looking to stuff it all down. If you just enjoy it, I don't think you'd get to a point where you start going, oh, I have to eat all of this because you actually, when you start slowing down and and when you start enjoying the food, you don't feel the need to eat all of that. And you start getting full a little bit quicker because you are slowing down to eat. Because when you're eating, your brain actually, it takes your brain a little while to catch up on on how full you actually are. So if you're eating very fast, you tend to overeat because your brain hasn't caught up yet. But if you slow down a little bit and allow your brain to catch up, your brain will tell you that you're full. You know, as you were talking, I just had a little bit of insight. It's funny enough. I I realized that the reason I tend to sometimes overeat if I see really good food, really good dessert, is because in in my mind, there's a little voice saying, you know, you may eat it now because you might never get your hands on it again. And it was true when I was growing up. My uh, parents controlled me, so my siblings and I barely have any access to any kind of dessert because they consider it unhealthy. Um, it was a very extreme situation. So as soon as I came to the U.S. and I had some control over what I could buy, I was buying every dessert. I was eating, you know, a six-inch cheesecake a day, plus Lay's potato chips, plus corn dogs. Um, and it was just like, I got to make up for lost time. But I think now it's time for me to kind of slow down and just say, wait, I have money. I'm an adult. I'm no longer that child you know, wake up, wake up from that trance. I don't have to eat everything today. I can go to the grocery and buy it again tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if every day you can take the approach, it's not even the holidays, you can eat healthy and then maybe allow yourself to a little dessert at the end of the night. That's totally fine because it's about balance and you don't have to save everything for the holidays and you don't have to restrict yourself. Yeah. That's true. I love that. So uh, for people that would love to get coaching from you, whether it's fitness, health, or mindset, or spiritual, and I think you also handle dating, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, I think I am mostly on Instagram. That would be the best way to find me. It's at Maggie Dong underscore. So that's M-A-G-G-I-E-D-O-N-G underscore. And I also have a podcast called Mind Muscle Enlightenment. And if you want to work with me on fitness, health, dating, mental, emotional, spiritual stuff, there's a link in my Instagram bio that will take you to all of my coaching programs and sessions that you can check out. Wow, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. I'll put everything in the show notes. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing all these fantastic ideas and advice. For our listeners, this is a big topic. Um, I've always thought about bringing somebody who has expertise in kind of eating and food and health. So I'm really excited that you came on the show today, especially during the holiday. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you for having me.